Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. An Erio's original. Hey, web crawlers. This is part two of our Elisa Lamb episode, so if you haven't heard part one, then stop go back and click on episode one, then come back here. Okay, on with the show. Water from the tap, something the Cecil Hotel doesn't want you to see. No showering, no washing your hands, no, definitely no drinking of the water. There was something wrong. The, the pressure in the water was terrible. It's kind of odd, the whole damn thing. There was a dead body in the water you were using and drinking? When you turned the tap on, the water was coming black first. The public health department is thoroughly testing the water now. Hey guys, welcome to Web Crawlers. On today's episode, we're going to go back to Elisa Lamb. We thought we were done until our producer left us some hot tips that we <laughs> needed to keep sleuthing about. Here's some interviews that we needed to get on tape. So today we're going to talk to David Ferrier. He is the director of the documentary Tickled and Netflix's Dark Tourist. He actually stayed at the Cecil Hotel while Elisa's body was inside the water tank. And he may or may not have drank the water. Oh my God. The other interview is from Jake Anderson. He's a filmmaker who is currently making a documentary about Elisa Lamb. My name's David Ferrier, and I'm a journalist from New Zealand. <laughs> I remembered that you mm. and I had a conversation about the Cecil Hotel. You said you were there around the time all of this was happening. Yeah, I was. I, I realized after the fact, and probably like a year afterwards, because a friend was talking about sort of the haunted history of the Cecil and then about this amazing story of this person being in the water tank. And I was like, oh my God, I think I stayed at that hotel because it had a different name then, didn't it? It's um, 
What's it called now? It's not the Cecil. It's something it's else. It's called the Stay on Main. That's yeah, a Stay on Main. But now. it's actually closed again for renovation. Right, they're turning it into apartments or something, aren't yes, they? Yes, with a pool on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you serious? The yeah, they're trying to lux it up. <laughs> we'll have to go uh, swim there and hang out. <laughs> but I checked. Um, yeah, I checked the dates um, after the fact, and I was there like the second week of her being in the tank. Oh my god, so, David! <laughs> I, I also do this thing. I also do this thing, which I know a lot of Americans don't do, but I guess in New Zealand, tap water is really fine to oh, drink and really healthy to drink. Don't Let's assume no. everyone else, everywhere else in the world, is exactly like New Zealand. And so, no. whenever I'm in America, I'll drink from the tap all the time. New York so, has good tap water. That's true. The Cecil Hotel doesn't. Did you drink it while you were there? Yeah, I drank daily. I was there for three oh nights. Oh my god! I drank it daily. Um, I drank it when I woke up. I drank a cup. Um, I had a cup, as always, by the bed um, while I go to sleep. It's sort of an OCD thing that I have to have water ready in case I wake up. Oh, I do like, the same thirsty. thing. Same thing. And so I drank a lot of water. I'd, I'd say I probably over my three nights at the Cecil probably drank about probably like fifteen cups of Cecil. Oh my god! Did it taste? Did it taste bad? Did it come out of the faucet weird or anything? No, the thing was, because I, I researched this a lot afterwards, obviously, and people that stayed there around that time started complaining about off-color water, and it was visibly, there was an issue with the water, right. which is how they found the body. But no, it was fine. I mean, it tasted, it didn't taste great. It didn't taste great. <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> But it wasn't, you know, I'm not a crazy person. If water tastes off, I'm not going to keep drinking it. But it, it wasn't great water, but it wasn't enough that it made me think I'm going to go and get some bottled water Right, today. it was just fine. Right. So oh. I kept drinking it. And, <laughs> and I was looking at the dates, actually, before you called. I was looking at the dates. I was there. So the body was in the tank from the 31st of January 2013 to Feb 19th. And I was there in the second week of February. so Oh, right in the middle. Right Prime. in the middle. So maybe the discoloration of the water happened, you know, like closer to finding the body. You know, I, I don't really know much about the science of body decomposition, sure, but maybe right. the body suddenly got really, you know, dispersed into the tank. And yeah, the so water the water must have been great. It was totally fine for you to drink it. <laughs> Why did you stay there in the first place? Why yeah, that so hotel? I, at the time, I was working as a sort of light entertainment reporter for this tiny TV channel in New Zealand. And I was just always trying to get to Los Angeles because I love Los Angeles. And there was some sort of video game release or something. Um, it wasn't E3 because E3 is later in the year. It was something before E3. But there was an event on that I wanted to get to, New, uh, to from New Zealand to Los Angeles for. And as usual, I'd go to my news boss and I'd pull up a little budget and the cheaper the budget was, the more likely I'd be able to get New Zealand money to travel to Los Angeles. And so I did what I always did, and I went to whatif.com. Um, I don't know if people still use What If. Do you remember What If? No, I've never no. heard of this. What is it? It's like, is like a travel site if you're a bit on the cheap. You're like, because I guess the idea is like, what if I could go to somewhere amazing and afford it? And oh so God. you type in where you want to go. And it gives you like the cheapest options for that place. Oh, amazing. And so because I wanted to be in downtown Los Angeles, which I'd heard was a very up and coming area. Like oh, <laughs> sure. That's what they've been saying for 20 years. <laughs> I searched, I searched for 
uh, downtown Los Angeles and I clicked the thing on price. So it gave me the cheapest options. And I think the stay on Maine wasn't the cheapest, but I think it was like the third cheapest. And I looked at the pictures and the outside of it looks very majestic. And oh, very, yeah. It looks very cool outside. Look beautiful. So I booked in for three nights and I took that budget to my producer and, in New Zealand and they said, you know, this looks affordable. Um, you can go. And so I went to Los Angeles for these three nights to cover the story and I was shooting it myself. Yeah, the, the minute I arrived, I knew that it wasn't it wasn't the dreamy place I'd imagined. Did you have it. to share a bathroom, like a hostel type thing? No, I didn't. Some of the rooms I remember you could share had like a shared bathroom. I was in like a standalone room. So I had my own um, my own bathroom that was just for me. But I just remember, you know, like sometimes when you lie down on a hotel bed, you just know it's not a very good bed. And this one I kind of almost sank into with the mattress oh. was so soft, oh. sank into it. And I remember that classic thing of a bad hotel where like the sheets were discolored. Ew, uh, no. <laughs> there were, I saw there were cockroaches in the room. Every stereotype in the room. of bad room. There were cockroaches there. And also, I never got hot water out of the shower. It was always cold. Well, was I wonder brown? why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and it had a lot of blood in it. No, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was pure it was, blood and hair. Just blood. I mean, the weird thing about this is I have to keep reminding myself, like, it's a really sad story what happened, but it's also, like, it's so easy to joke about it because it's such a – it's so dark, you kind of have to laugh, don't you, about yeah. the whole – like, Wait, a body you... in a tank dispersing water to all those rooms and all those people showering in it. It's crazy. It's horrible. Insane. Did you research the hotel at all before you got there? Because, I mean, there's a history of over, what, 60 murders and suicides and Richard Ramirez stayed there. Like, literally the first Google result is Richard Ramirez <laughs> Hotel Suicides. And yeah, you're like, like sounds I great. <laughs> this is going to sound really naive, but I didn't know any of that going into it. I did a basic... I must have... I'm trying to think what I did in 2013. Like, what if had reviews of the hotel and they were like your typical review of like a sort of low end hotel? That was some right. people were like, we had a great time there. It's affordable, not great, but affordable. And other people said things like, I'm never going to stay here again. But no one mentioned um, any of the murders or the history or anything like that. Uh, I only found out about that afterwards. But I guess the the thing that left an impression on me before I knew about the history was just walking into the lobby. Just the people in there were like, really, they were oddballs and very, How so? it didn't feel safe. Like there were a lot of people just loitering that seemed like not great people. Just, just, just the feeling of who they were and how they were dressed and what they were doing. And I just think that it just had a bad vibe right from the get go. Interesting. The energy was yeah. off. It's, it's awful, isn't it? And it's, I guess there's just enough information out there that makes it so easy to theorize about different things. Because the detail I found interesting about it is that all her clothes were in there. Right. So it's like either she, I mean, and that plays into a thing of did she fall, like did she get in there in her drug-induced mania and take her clothes off after the fact or was she disposed of in there with everything? But the fact her clothes were in there as well, it's just such a strange detail. It's very weird. None of it makes sense. And there's no like clear theory no. on what happened. Do you have no. any hypothesis or anything like that? Are you interested I mean, in the case having stayed at the hotel? I mean, I just think, I mean, I, I think that 
looking at the number of strange people I came across during those three days, whether it was in the lobby or in the hallways, I mean, I feel like she was out of her mind on something, either just mentally she had some sort of breakdown or was some sort of obviously some sort of drug induced um, situation going on. I think probably someone else in the hotel murdered her that just seems to be because mm -hmm. from what i what i've read like it's not possible for a person to sort of get into that tank on their own like right. everything it's very heavy to lift, lift it up so i feel like she was probably murdered and disposed of because honestly that hotel was just full of as i say it was it was not a good vibe in that place so i would say murder but then also, people talk, and it's surprising that nothing solid has come out about this. It's funny when you know when we were toying, when we were making this this dark tourist show, we toyed with doing the Cecil as a topic. You know, just you know, here's this hotel that people go to stay at just because all these awful things happen there. And we pressed into that a little bit, but yeah, the management there just made it impossible. It was it was pretty clear instantly that, that there'd be legal issues, and that's why I'm so I'd I'd love to watch a documentary on that place. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of whoever owns it now certainly doesn't want that being uh, spread too too widely. Yeah. So with Dark yeah. Tourist, you obviously have an interest in this kind of realm of bizarre. Where did that come from? I think I just grew up obsessed with the X-Files. It was that simple. Like, oh, I, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who didn't? I mean, I'm 36, so that kind of hit at a time when I was at um, like high school, and we'd, I just remember, like, you'd watch that show at night, and then the next day, it's like all we'd talk about at school was the X-Files. It was like the X-Files and, um, and South Park mysteries. pretty much at our school. So. <laughs> I was just from that, just this idea that um, the world was just full of reasonably like dark, crazy things and mysteries to solve. And I grew up in a super conservative Christian house. And I guess that where everything was like, everything's great and everything's roses. And that alternative idea um, of things being really potentially bleak and scary and strange like really appealed to me. And so, yeah, that's why obviously working on Dark Tourist was a lot of fun. Um, but I think everyone's got a bit of that. I mean, you just look at how many how many views the video has that the police released of this case, and people are just obsessed with sort of the darker side of life, I think, and just those kind of mysteries. It just really engages with a certain part of all of us, I think, which is, I know, I think it's part of all of us. That video has like, I don't know, 10 million views. But it's it's like the last moments of her life. It's like seeing watching videos of people like right before they die. It's we, it's creepy. Like it's a thing that like I like to watch. I don't know what that is in Sicko. me. Where I like to, I like if you're, the video is like this is disturbing. Do not watch. I will watch it. I'm just like curious. Yeah, I think just vicariously, we just want a sort of little insight into death. I think it's just this weird appealing thing, and to watch someone. I guess in their final moments, it is, it is, you just, you can't help but be drawn to that in a weird way. And I think, as you said earlier, the police, you know, saying things like, we want to maintain privacy in that. And yet they put that video out there onto the internet, um, or at least yeah. release it and let someone else put it on there. It's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty, you're watching something that feels quite personal that you shouldn't be watching, really. Right. And as you say, it's got, it's got tens of millions of views. Yeah, it's it's almost like a found footage horror movie that's real. So it's it, it becomes a form of entertainment, even though as we discussed, it's a hugely it's someone's life we're watching. So it's it's a weird dichotomy. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and there's so many. I mean, it's just such a strange video to watch because it's not just someone getting into an elevator, but it's she's just her behavior is so bizarre, and it's, it's those things of her like looking incredibly paranoid outside the doors, like someone or something is following her. It's that kind of stuff that starts tripping your imagination, and you know, you sort of watch it a few times, and it sort of feels like you pick up new details every time. And then for someone like me that ended up, you know, drinking 16 cups of, <laughs> it's just, it's the, it's so bleak. Like it's so bleak. And did you ride the elevator? I did. Yeah. I was in the elevator. Um, I don't know. I can't recall whether there was only one or whether there were two elevators in there, but I was definitely in an elevator that looked exactly like that elevator that she was in. So I assume it could be the same one. Did it function okay for you? <laughs> it was it was fine. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the best thing about that hotel was the elevator. It was really, really fantastic. Um, the doors opened quickly and shut quickly. That was probably the most impressive thing about that entire hotel, to be honest. You should leave that as a Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, there were cockroaches in my room, but the elevator was very fast. <laughs> I didn't have to wait at all. <laughs> I'm super curious, yeah, what sort of people move in there when these new sort of high-end sort of boutique apartments Yeah, open. who's going to – how much are they going to sell for and who's going to move in there? Like what are you – I'll get I'll get an apartment there. Fuck it. <laughs> for the sake what, of is the, what is that part of downtown Los Angeles like? Like is that sort of cool now or is it still quite oh, derelict? No. No, I think it's near Skid Row. Yeah, Skid Row. It's not a very safe place. It's not a place you go to hang out. It's not like the arts well, that's district. The, that's the other thing. That was the trip where I also like walk everywhere. And I was in New Zealand. It's like quite safe to walk. But I went on a night, went on a little night walk. Oh, no. And ended up ended up wandering. And I was in like flip-flops and jandals. Oh, my God. Uh, which I know they're a disgusting form of footwear, but it's what we're doing. <laughs> And I flip-flopped left, bro. And that's when I, I guess that was my first realization that, you know, Los Angeles has a lot of, um, a lot of problems and it, it's pretty tragic, but I just remember suddenly things were kind of fine. And then suddenly you're just there. Yeah. And I realized pretty quickly that that wasn't a, a great place to be. Um, I didn't run into any problems, but I did stumble down, uh, at about probably about 11 o'clock in Skid Row and shorts and jandals, <laughs> um, which was, which was incredibly stupid. But that was another part of that memorable Cecil experience. Well, another thing is around that time, there was a tuberculosis outbreak. Right. Do you know about this? <laughs> oh, I don't need any more revelations about that trip. You're going to die. Okay, so the there was a tuberculosis outbreak, and the test that they used for testing tuberculosis was called the LAM ELISA. Like it stands for something, some acronym of something. But that's like a theory that people are like going nuts about. Oh, that is that is bonkers. It's that's... a weird coincidence. Yeah, one oh, of the theories uh, is that there, Elisa Lamb was a test subject for tuberculosis, and that's how she died, and that the the test is called the Lamb Elisa because of that. I could see how like your yeah, Reddit theorists could get obsessed with something like that. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, so you're lucky that you dodged TB on your night hike, your sandal night hike. But also you in your show, Dark Tourist, which I, I've watched all the episodes. It's very great. You, oh, thank you. You went to the, you went to like by the Fukushima plant and you jumped in that water that supposedly has like nuclear particles in it. Are you afraid that you're going to have a children with 10 arms <laughs> and drinking this water? Yeah, have you been probably. to the doctor lately? <laughs> 
yeah, I should probably stay away from water, I think. Just <laughs> but no, I think probably like the one thing in that show that I regret doing was sort of stuff with water, like nuclear sort of water as far as swimming in it. That was very much a moment of, you know, it was sort of pressure to just do something a little bit interesting because it had been a sort of a story that there wasn't a lot unfolding and it just seemed like a swim was like the right thing to do. Plus, we'd been given a lot of vodka by our guide right. during the day and it was like quite hot and jumping in a lake just seemed like a good scene and seemed appealing and seemed interesting and so we did that but that's definitely the thing afterwards that I sort of think you know will I regret that in 20 years time and I'm sure it'll be fine but um, as with all things nuclear like what you don't want is like little particles like sticking inside your body so I didn't swallow any water I learned from the Cecil I didn't, no 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 water ingested yeah that was probably a little bit silly doing that don't swim in nuclear water and don't drink water from downtown Los Angeles hotels <laughs> I mean I, I'm just shocked you're still alive at this point <laughs> yeah this Give years. So we've got this joke in the team like we're all going to have like a little dark tourist um reunion in 20 years time when we're all like riddled with cancer and in wheelchairs um <laughs> on our way out so that's going to be our reunion time so what are you are you doing a, a new season of dark tourist or what are you working on next we're figuring it out at the moment what we're doing next we're kind of like if we ever did it again i think we'd want the whole same team together again so we're all kind of busy on other things at the moment i'm kind of working on another documentary at the moment sort of in the early stages of that so um there might be some more dark tourists at some point but we kind of it felt like we're sort of it felt like a good standalone season and if we come up with yeah. like enough good places to go maybe we'll do more but i'm happy taking a little break from that at the moment <laughs> yeah are we allowed to know what the new documentary is or is it hush hush it's it's kind of hush hush at the moment, which is such a boring answer. But it's okay. um, it's another. I suppose it's like another investigation, a little bit like what Tickled was, like a, a bit like what you guys are doing, like just a bit of a deep dive into a, a weird internet thing. Tickled was one of my favorite documentaries of all time. It is fan. It's it is so amazing. amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Um, the trouble with Tickled is it was such a like a lucky story to stumble on that right. I know I'll never get something that good again. <laughs> like, <laughs> as a journalist, it was like the dream thing at the dream time to find, and I just know that sort of that level of sort of madness will never strike again. But it's cool. It's it's cool having it out there. And there's still people that get in touch with me that have sort of just discovered it because it's, you know, it's it's sitting on various streaming services and people are discovering it now. And they've got new stories about David D'Amato or new stories about that world that they'll message in with. So there was just someone um, a couple of months ago that um, had kept all their letters they'd got from Terry Tickle. Oh, no. Desperately um, wanting tickling videos. And this guy explained this really interesting story where he was having a really difficult time um, at school. And so he went to the school guidance counselor and David D'Amato was really helpful to him in getting through his issues. But at that exact time he was being canceled, counseled by David D'Amato, he started getting letters from Terry Tickle wanting um, tickling videos. So oh while the real life D'Amato was like helping him with this problem, D'Amato was like rushing home and like writing yeah, letters. As oh like a 16-year-old like hottie and Ugh. mailing this this boy trying to get him to make tickling videos and That's he still so had all horrible. the letters so. There's still stories that like keep coming up and people getting in touch. So that's still that that's kind of fun when that happens. And it's also 
for those people that they kind of get a little bit of, of closure on this sort of weird thing that happened that they could never explain. So that's kind of me. <laughs> yeah. Where can people watch Tickled if they want? What streaming services is it on? I think in America it's on HBO Go. I think it's sitting there. And I think rest of the world, it's sitting on uh, Netflix. And what about Dark Tourist? That is on um, worldwide on Netflix. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. Sorry I couldn't be there in person. It'd be cool to catch up with you guys down the line. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Bye. Good luck writing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. My name is Jake Anderson. I've been researching this case for about five years, so I got quite a bit to say, but I'll let you ladies lead the way. In your Kickstarter, you said you want to know if the documentary, or you want the documentary to answer the question, is it a true crime mystery, a profile of mental illness, a paranormal investigation? what is your leading theory? It's certainly both a uh, profile of mental illness, and I, I think there's some uh, some form of criminal negligence involved. Um, I can't right. go so far to say that it's homicide at this point. Uh, that's certainly possible. The paranormal angle we can get into. Uh, right. <laughs> I have uh, I actually run a, a paranormal site, but it's more of like a balance of skepticism. You know, there's just a lot of new interesting research going on about uh, the relationship between consciousness and the universe that I think is usually not brought up in some of the more esoteric conversations about paranormal activity. But the short answer to your question is that it's kind of all three. Interesting. Wow. How all did you three. initially come across the case and what interested you about it? 
you know, in terms of other cases, what kind of stood out to this one for you? Right. Well, this, this was the, this was my introduction to true crime. I've always had kind of like a morbid mind, you know, researching serial killers and stuff like that. Oh my God. You're like Melissa. Melissa loves that stuff. Yeah. This was kind of the first case when I saw that elevator video, I was like, oh my God. And then I just took a deep dive into it. And then just, yeah, the elevator video is what set off most people. And part of it was when I first watched it, I was like, why is this video? Why are people so obsessed with this video? Obviously it had to do with the fact that she was missing at that point. But the video itself is blurry. It's pixelated. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot happens. Uh, quite frankly, her behavior is not as bizarre as a lot of people would say. I mean, I act like that all the time. Uh, <laughs> and, and some of her and some of her hand movements are very clearly something called psychomotor agitation, What's which that? is a symptom of bi- bipolar disorder, which she had, oh, in okay. which uh, you know I read all of her subsequently read all of her blogs and documented all that. But to stick with the videotape, I I think the surveillance video uh, triggers an anxiety in people. I think it has to do with, uh, obviously, it's just a creepy piece of video and, you know, trying to anticipate what was going on in that hallway. Clearly, she felt uh, pursued by something. But was it in her head? Was there someone out in the hall? Was she feeling the spirit of Richard Ramirez, who lived on that exact hallway when he oh, same floor. stayed at the Cecil Hotel? Yeah. And and Jack Hunterweger, the second serial killer who lived there, lived uh, only one floor down. More importantly, those upper floors of the Cecil Hotel are reserved for full-time residents. Right. So it's unclear as to why she was even up there to begin with. Well, I'll return to why I think the surveillance tape is so interesting later. But uh, That's what kind of sparked your interest in the first place? That, that's of course that's that's what I mean that that was the trigger without that surveillance tape this this would first, I mean this was a unique internet-based phenomenon to begin with mm. uh, Nancy Grace Nancy Grace none of the talking heads on TV were interested in this case this was it this was internet and it was because of the surveillance and um, I think it speaks to a certain anxiety about the fact that our final moments could be captured and streamed for millions of people to watch i think triggers a kind of anxiety in people it's like the original found footage horror movie yeah yes it is absolutely yeah in fact there's some we got to get into some of the conspiracy theories because (laughs) that that's part of part of the case that intrigued me the most is what I can only call certain kind of pathological delusion that's come out in certain conspiracy theorists that I've talked to personally yeah. in their interpretations of the case. There, there are people that believe it was actually a snuff film. Really? Um, I let's get into that. that. No, love it. Yeah. Well, not love it's, it. But, it's, you know yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Snuff, I film, heard snuff that. film is so awesome. No, no yeah. I hadn't heard that before. Really? Yeah, no, I, there's there's all kinds of uh, strange theories. That's yeah, crazy. so it was definitely the surveillance. It was definitely the surveillance tape. The discovery of the body, of course. The police did two searches of the of the roof. They did a they set up a, a command center in the Cecil Hotel and they searched the roof, which. According to Santiago Lopez, the maintenance worker who found the body, the lid to the tank would have been open at that time, according to him in his sworn deposition. So the police searched the roof once by themselves, then with a canine unit and did not find anything. Yeah, that's uh, shocking that the dog didn't smell anything. Right. But I mean, she was submerged, so I don't know. Now, at this point, it probably would have been, I don't know what the police would have been looking for. She had been missing at this point for a few days. Uh, statistically, 
after 72 hours, missing person cases usually turn into uh, homicide cases or mm. something like mm. that. There's there's nothing else on the roof besides those tanks. So it's very unclear how they would have missed that. I would subsequently have sub- subsequently found some troubling uh, evidence uh, about some of this stuff, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, you said you have interviews with multiple people connected, like LAPD informants, Cecil Hotel Management. Right. Do you, can you say who those yeah. people are? Yeah, well, um, it's, it's important for one to realize that it's been virtually impossible to get anyone to speak about the case. The main detectives will not speak about the case. In oh. fact, uh, Detective Greg Stern, he blocked me on Twitter for simply <laughs> asking uh, simply telling him, I found some troubling information. I would like to discuss the case with you. No way. Yeah, oh, he, no. he blocked me. Uh, the weird. other main detective, Wallace Tennille, whose own son was murdered in Los Angeles, you know, like eight years ago or something. He retired, and I've been reluctant to reach out to him. I don't know. I, I The same way I've been reluctant to reach out to the family, because the family very clearly been traumatized from this and doesn't want to speak about it. And uh, I respect that, and I, I don't want to bother them. But I believe the case at this point is transcended into a zeitgeist where it's, it's already out there. All, right. all, the, all the damage, all the stigmatization against her is already out there. So what I wanted to do is, is tell a more humanizing portrait of Elisa. But I'm getting off topic. You wanted to know about specific contacts. <laughs> uh, I have not been able to get a main detective to speak on the case. In fact, uh, the, the same guy, Greg Stern, his partner who, who worked slightly on the case, his name is Detective Tim Marsha. He was the only detective, uh, a journalist named Josh Dean wrote a great article about the case on Medium. And he got Tim Marsha to roll out, you know, a very stereotypical Occam's Razor quote that the law enforcement, they literally kneel at the altar of Occam's Razor. So I reached out to Tim Marsha uh, about the case. And he, and I was like, you know, look, uh, I'm not trying to proliferate conspiracy theories here. I'm not trying to cause any trouble, which, of course, was a lie. But uh, <laughs> he, I said, this is about the stigmatization of mental illness. And I, I'd, I'd wonder what your thoughts are on how this case has become such a big deal. And he's like, well, Jake, you know, I have I have some thoughts on this, but out of respect for the detectives, uh, I want to check with them first. Uh, sure enough, he came back and said, Greg Stearns has a blanket no-talk policy about this case. Now, this is a closed oh. case. This is not a cold case. This is closed. Yeah. Interesting. So the fact that they're being so secretive about it is extremely uh, suspicious at best, and they claim uh, that the reason is to protect the family and to protect Elisa's privacy. If you're trying to protect Elisa's privacy, why did you broadcast a surveillance video over final moments Yeah, that's for, weird. For, for, for 50 million people? And the point of a tape like that is for identification and evidence. The tape does not identify her. It's blurry and pixelated. You, you couldn't make a positive ID from that. And you don't see anyone else in the video, even mm. though we know that there is another surveillance video that shows her entering the hotel with two men. They didn't show us that one. Oh, that's fascinating. They were, were they carrying the books? Was that two men carrying books for her from the last bookstore? What was the one with her with uh, the men? No, the, the, the other surveillance is supposedly she enters with two men and they, they give her a box. But um, the fact of the matter is that she was she was with other people. I spoke. I did speak with a, a man who at the last bookstore who previously no one had spoke to. Previously, the only person who said they had spoken to Lisa on that last day was the the manager of the last bookstore and she had only positive things to say which was lovely right. 
But I talked to another man who interacted with Elisa who said that she was exhibiting very, very distressing, troubling behavior. So basically, I think this is leading towards mental illness and foul play are not mutually exclusive here. Right. That, that in fact, many times people become bigger targets of predators when they have mental illness. Oh, sure. Totally. Definitely. You had mentioned before also that, you know, people like Nancy Grace and other talking heads had kind of avoided this topic or her, you know, this whole conspiracy. Why do you think that is? They don't have a clear villain. You know, normally right. they like to have a, a, a Scott Peterson or an O.J. Simpson or and also she was not white. That's and there's an, right. there's an entire it's syndrome called I think it's called uh, missing missing white woman syndrome or something like that they don't like mainstream media does not like to delve into issues of mental illness which it's impossible to discuss this case without discussing right. that so yeah I think it's that and I don't know I'm, it's curious I'm hoping that that with some of the new you know evidence I have hopefully it can get back on the radar a little bit I, I'm not sure that this case can be solved frankly because I think there is a cover-up going on, but I would say that uh, the the purpose of the web sleuth movement at this point to me seems to be largely about transparency. And I spoke with Trisha Griffith, who runs the website Web Sleuths. She told me she knows for a fact that she traces the IP addresses of people that log into the site, and she knows that the police keep track of what's going on on these Web Sleuth forums. What? um, Hopefully this is leading to a more decentralized, democratized criminal justice where police cannot uh, conceal information anymore. So what do you think the Elisa Lam cover-up is? I do think she was killed by an employee of the hotel or someone in the hotel knows what happened. Someone put her body in the tank and then released the tape to say, oh, she was crazy. So who knows what happened to her? Right. So there's a couple of different theories uh, that I have. Okay. I do have a conclusion. I mean, I, I don't... We'd love I, to know all the theories and to, your conclusion. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, I'm going to have to be a little restrained simply because some of the information I have, I need to be vetted by a, a, a legal team. Oh, please. So, right. Sure. So that I don't get my ass sued off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, what I will say is, is that okay. I, there's, there's definitely... I definitely believe there is a criminal cover-up going on based on some information I found. I, I, I think there's, so there's a couple different ways that this could have gone down. We interviewed a forensics expert, an independent forensics expert, Dr. John Hisero. He has an impeccable track record. And he looked at the autopsy and said, there's no water in her lungs. Oh. There's, no water in, there's no water in her stomach. Hmm. There's no water in her sinuses. Oh my God. And she was floating face up, which is very unusual in drowning cases. Oh. So he doesn't think she drowned. And if that's true, that literally changes the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. That means that, that means she was dead before she was in the water tank. Shit. Now that's the body dump theory, which is that she was she died possibly, I mean, conjecture. The autopsy did not check for uh, date rape drugs. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, we about that. So it's possible that she died elsewhere in the hotel and was concealed uh, there. One of the issues that we bring up, uh, that I bring up in the book and in the documentary, I worked with this guy named John Lorden who runs a YouTube channel called Brain Scratch, which is really an, an awesome true crime channel. And he uncovered that there was actually a, a corporate merger going on the week that uh, her body was found. 
a tens of millions of dollars worth of reinvestment. They were being basically oh, I this. Yeah. absorbed. There, there would would have been a financial incentive for for them to not have a body show up at the hotel right. that week. Uh, the memo announcing this came out like a few days after she was found. Right, I found that uh, memo. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Furthermore, I, I do think that it, it's certainly possible that there's some kind of financial quid pro quo going on between the Cecil Hotel and the LAPD. It's it's hard to trust the autopsy at this point. You know, it's it's commonly said that look, there was no trauma to the body. Well, first of all, that's wrong. There was pooling of blood around her anus. Oof. Oh, that weird. has been that. Rid- no. ridden off as when a body dies and decomposes, the pre- the gases inside the body can force things outward. Right. So that's their medical explanation. Well, Dr. Hizero says that it, it's actually a little bit more indicative of, of, of sexual assault. Oh. Uh, right. Moreover, the medical examiner who released the autopsy has uh, subsequently been uh, sued in court for falsifying an autopsy in a different case. Really? Oh yeah. no! So there's just a whole constellation of anomalies that really, to me, if we're gonna if we're gonna invoke Occam's razor here, to me, Occam's razor sides more on the side of of, of a criminal cover-up. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Oh my gosh. So you're making this documentary. It, you have a Kickstarter. Can people still contribute to it? Or... The Kickstarter's done. We raised $30,000 and we've shot, we shot a lot of footage. But, you know, Kickstarter, it, the point of Kickstarter is to kickstart a project. Right. Uh, to make a full documentary, we need more funds. What I've been working on is 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 writing the book, which is going to be released sometime this year um, by Kensington, oh, and great. I think that uh, I think that that's going to help kind of convince people to reconsider the criminal element of it. When I when I got involved in this case, I believe that this was an accident. I believe that this was an example of people not understanding mental illness. Right. Right. And that was my operating principle for a while. And especially when I started getting into some of the conspiracy theories, uh, people thinking that someone used an invisibility cloak <laughs> to hunt, yeah. hunt her down <laughs> or that there was some satanic cabal that was performing a ritual yeah, uh, or that the New World Order was uh, using tuberculosis for a false flag biological attack. The Lamalisa right. test. Now, there is an <laughs> inter- inter- interesting synchronicity here, which is that there was an outbreak of tuberculosis. Yeah, it is a weird city. coincidence. And it's bizarre. It's right? very yeah. weird. It's utterly just absurd. There's also something called illusory pattern perception, where you connect different anomalies and make them into a pattern it makes the world make more sense to you. Huh. There's that element to it. But I, I totally believe that this was a uh, mental illness. And I, I went through her blogs. I mean, uh, read hundreds of pages of her writing. Elisa, she was a really incredible writer, an incredible mind. Yeah, her blogs are uh, still up. And she's yeah. like pretty funny, like very cl- She wrote a lot of funny, clever things. Absolutely. She was very clever. And she was also very brave to publicly document her battle with bipolar disorder. Yeah. You know, to be transparent and this comes out in the book for me it's a personal thing because that that illness runs in my family my my aunt had it i think i'm kind of on the spectrum with it as well yeah and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people can identify with that um with you know mental illness is something that you know we don't really take all that seriously in this culture it's 
viewed as like a pick yourself up by your bootstraps type mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the arc that happened is I was like, this is all a bunch of uh, hogwash. This is this is stigmatization of mental illness 101. And then the more I dug into it, the more I started just finding these anomalies that, you know, uh, no explanation for some of these anomalies. And the sheer amount of silence, it's, it's, it's almost like this orchestrated silence from all three vector points of information, the police, the hotel, and the family. Now, again, I put no blame on the family whatsoever. They have every right to hide out and not talk to anyone. They've been traumatized enough. The police and the hotel, this isn't the Kennedy assassination, you know? <laughs> right. You know, just just tell us what happened. Explain the, explain the surveillance tape. Explain why there's footage missing from the surveillance tape. Yeah, that's strange. The yeah. time code is a little, yeah. like, jumps. The time code straight up cuts. Yeah. There, there's a certain moment where the time code cuts, the minute hand changes twice in seven seconds. Now, unless it's a motion-activated surveillance camera, which it could be, and if that's the case, they should just release a statement saying that. But if it's not, then, and it, it happened to happen right as she leaves the frame, which from a video editing perspective would be the exact perfect time to cut because nothing would change in the frame. And that could be when someone entered the hallway. Right. She could be talking to someone that whole time. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, you saying that there might be a correlation between the LAPD and the Cecil Hotel that's, you know, decades or whatever long could be an explanation for something like that. The police, historically, according to people I've spoken to there, are very reluctant to even go inside the hotel. If, if something's being covered up, I'm determined to find out what it is because... I think it's larger than just, you know, one one person. I came to the conclusion that if this is just a case of mental illness, if, if the stigmatization of it, that's really bad. What would be way worse than that is the police using someone's mental illness to cover up for a crime. Right. Yeah, that's unfortunate. This has been so illuminating. Is there anything else you want to say, closing, or that you want people to know that you think they should know about this case? No. No. <laughs> That's so confident. I love that. No, you've pretty it, much explained it, it, a Yeah, I mean, lot. we've gone in depth. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much, Jake. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Look for the book to come out later this year, because if, if what I just said was illuminating, and maybe it wasn't, or maybe it was, but there's, there's about 100 times more in the book, so... And where can people find uh, your Kickstarter campaign? Uh, if you if you Google Kickstarter, uh, what happened to Elisa Lamb, you can find it. You can find me on Twitter at uh, OverTheMoonSF. You can also email me. Actually, no, I probably don't want random people emailing me. <laughs> they can message through the Kickstarter Perfect. campaign. Thank you so much, Jake. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You're very knowledgeable about this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for thank you for interviewing me. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, Have of course. a good rest of the day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, so thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. I'm Ali Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stetton. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.